0: the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Welcome to Wine Women Radio, where we discuss what we're drinking and what's happening in the wine
1: industry. Pour yourself a glass and enjoy the show. All right, everybody. We're here with Kyle Lerner with the Harney Lane Winery, owner Vintner. Exciting. Thank you for being here, Kyle.
0: Uh, my pleasure. Thank yeah, you for inviting me. For yes.
1: It's really great. So you, you went to Cal State Fresno? I did. Right? Very cool. You, I bet you didn't think when you started out that you were going to end up owning and running a winery and <laughs> you also own a vineyard management company as well. Right? Correct. Yeah. Right? So you do that as well. So I think we should probably just start with, let's tell the story of how you got into the wine business because it's, <laughs> it's not extremely unusual how people get into the wine business sometimes.
0: It's interesting. You know, I, uh, I come from a family of uh, law enforcement. Uh, my dad, my <laughs> uncle, my cousin, my brother-in-law uh, are, are have all been in various forms of law enforcement. It was the last thing I ever thought I would be doing. It was
1: was <laughs> making wine? <Right? laughs> I, was
0: a, I was a city kid. I, I uh, you know, never thought that I would be uh, tilling soil. Is um,
1: it? I'm curious, is the city background and the law enforcement background what gave you that uh, comment that you made about uh, of of farming being a form of legalized gambling. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, I, think that's, I think
0: that's the variability in the revenue stream and being able to get a crop off. Uh, you know, in spite of the dynamics that you grow in. So.
1: Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! So, uh, so l- let's back up for a second. Uh, Hardy Lane Winery is in Lodi. Yes. Um, so, basically it, it's basically due east of us and uh, a hair north. You're in the delta.
0: Yeah, just east of the Delta. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you intersect San Francisco and Sacramento, you you land right on, on top right. of us.
1: And your families, or the family you've married to, has been farming there for 110, 12, 110, 12 years. Yeah. And so so it time. goes way, way
0: back. Way, way and back,
2: Lodi, which is so cool. Lodi wineries are very family-driven, which I really love about that region. Mm-hmm. I mean, tell, tell us a little bit about it.
0: It's it's pretty crazy. I, you know, I um, started dating my wife now uh, back in high school and we went to my senior prom, which is, that's a whole nother story. Mm. Wow. But I was always out there and and she's actually fifth generation on the family farm. So it's it's pretty amazing that, you know, over time in in Lodi, you see this time and time again. Uh, There are a lot of multi-generational families there that, that still exist today. And are doing what they're doing um, but they were farmers and I, you know it's interesting you look at other regions of california and how the wine um, thing is developed and and it was really wine centric um, over there uh, you know these people are really farmers they're really growers and um, you know i think it's taken the younger generations to kind of steer us back around and say hey why aren't we producing our own products and so um, you know, over the past ten or 15, 20 years, you've mm-hmm. seen this real big surge of multi-generational fam- farming families like ourselves, as well as other people, kind of swimming into that path, and it's been a lot of fun.
1: So, Harney family wasn't uh, originally the uh, uh, wasn't originally making their own wine no. all those years, like many wow. in the in the Central Central Valley. Uh, it went into somebody else's wine.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know they might have been making a little family hooch here and there once in a <laughs> while, but you know, again, yeah. the law enforcement. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the grapes were were grown, they were harvested and, and sold to other wineries, which we still do today. I, I use about ten percent, uh, really, of what we grow for our own right. programs now.
1: Right. So. And so, what are the what are the varieties that you grow and make into wines?
0: So it's. Really fun to be over in Lodi. I we start off with Albarino, that's wonderfully bright and crisp. Um, I love it. Uh, we do some. We do a couple of really fun Chardonnays. Um, Zinfandel clearly is the backbone of, of Lodi and what we're known for, but we also get into Tempranillos, um, Cabernets, Petite Saras, um, You know all kinds of really fun stuff. We, we're the location we're at um, with the te- temperatures and and uh, the the delta breezes that come in and allow us to to be very successful with many of these varieties so
2: very you know, neat lodi is known to be so hot but it does cool down nicely
0: we have a diurnal swing in temperature during the summer that can sometimes be in upwards of 50 degrees so we can wow. be very warm during the day um, but we have our windows open at night and we're you know in the upper 50s very low 60s uh, in the evening so Everything that come, passes through San Francisco comes through the Delta, through the Carquinas Straits, mm-hmm. and heads our way, and so it's, it's a great, great location.
1: Wow, well, that, that's a, a nice advantage to have, that, that you've got all of those magical ingredients in there. Um, there's some other aspects of this which I think are really kind of cool, which is, um, besides the fact that 10% of what you farm, it goes into your own label, into Harney Lane Winery, You've also got a vineyard named f- for your kids. We do. Right, yeah. which is kind of fun. The Lizzie James Old Vines Inn. So how old is that
0: area? So that vineyard is um, a, um, something we purchased about 20 years ago. It was planted back in 1904 originally. Um, so it's nearly as old as uh, you know, our family when they started in 1900 on the property that the, the tasting room sits on today. Um, but an amazing vineyard that was um, nearly removed and and, um, was going to be turned into um, four horse ranches. And uh, we were able to purchase it. Um, It was um, very interesting because it had largely kind of been left abandoned. Um, Weeds were taller than the vines. Um, You know, it was was in pretty rough shape. But, you know, with a lot of love and care and nurturing, we were able to bring this vineyard around. <clears throat> really, to become one of those legendary vineyards of California, and it's um, you know, it's in today talking about that. It's it's. Uh a privilege to be the steward of this vineyard at its point in time, because clearly it's significantly older than I am. So.
2: Yeah, well, that is so important, and I, and it's not the most cost effective thing to do, right? But you're doing it for other reasons,
1: <laughs> <And> for, <laughs> Right? Well longer than your lifespan, kind of.
0: It's so. very, it's very interesting. As uh, as uh, just a farmer, before we really started producing our own wines, we um, we, we knew the ground was 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 Great, and it could grow wh- whatever we wanted it to. But as we started to learn more about this vineyard and started producing wines from it, we really discovered that there was something special about not only that vineyard, but a lot of other of the old vineyards that we, we grow today. And there are flavors and there are nuances that come out of that particular site that I'll never be able to replicate anywhere else. Oh, wow. And so they're really special.
1: Wow, that's that's fascinating to learn all of those different elements that feed into that. I'm I'm curious if after you got into the purchase of the land and the farming, if you went, I thought it was going to be a lot of work. It's still more work than what I thought it was going to be. I mean, farming is hard work.
0: It It, it is, you know, <laughs> but um, it's, it's something that I, it's interesting. I was talking to someone about this the other day. I typically work seven days a week in one capacity or another. I love what I do so much that I don't even think about getting up and going to work. I, I'm getting up, I'm in the shower, and I'm thinking <laughs> about my day. And you just, you you have something in front of you that's a challenge. And the challenge is to make it the best it can possibly be or to get through whatever growing conditions you have or seasonalities. And and uh, so it was really easy, actually, to take this on. And once we started producing wines from it and discovered what we really had un, under our, our hands at the moment, it was it was like, okay, let's really take this to the next level. So.
2: Well, and now you have something that is... Multi generational, which is really really cool, something for the future for your family. Yeah. So, are your children interested?
0: They <laughs> that was going to be my question. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> my my ch- my daughter's twenty. Uh, Ian, my son's eighteen. He's a senior in high school, so they uh, it's interesting. They've grown up with us, um, developing and starting a winery, um, which I coined to the family and how I sold it was seamless vertical integration. Right? <laughs> um, we had the we had the vines make a little wine open up a little tasting room and go. So they've seen that whole process. They also thought at, you know, at one point I got the, it ruined, it's ruined our lives because we're we're busy developing it. But it's interesting. My daughter is actually coming to work with us on Tuesday. She's in college uh, locally uh, by us. And uh, she's going to start working the back end of it, and she's going to discover how the finances work. And and so good place to start. We'll see. (laughs) I I had my son in there um, during the summer driving tractor. Um, Whether they take it on or not, you know, I don't know. It's you know, agriculture is not an easy gig, and you got to have a lot of passion for it. So you sure do.
1: Well, you clearly do, Kyle. I mean. given the amount of work that it's 24 7 366 (laughs) um just to throw a few more days into the calendar I mean it's a lot of work to do all of that and then then you're making trips up to the city you know here for a special event like Zinfandel experience and that adds into your time and your time away from farming and pruning right now so so what is happening in your vineyards right now
0: so that's what we are doing. We're in the in the process of pruning. We're we're setting up up for success uh, coming into the season. And uh, yeah, it's it, it is our slow time, but things are still happening. You know, it's it's kind of a a never-ending process.
1: It's the slow time to the end consumers because they think that you know we just wait until harvest and then you just. You sit there and you watch the vines grow until harvest, and then you've got right. a little work to do, and then you've <laughs> got to put harvest them and put them into a tank, and then you just watch them ferment and become great grapes, but yeah. <laughs> there's a little bit more no, to it than that. More we
0: call that Disneyland.
2: Yeah. Well, and you're not just growing grapes and making wine. You have a place people can visit also, right? So you have the hospitality end of it. Yeah. What's the experience like? You for know, visitors.
0: I, I love that side of it. Um, okay. For visitors, we really try to bring you uh, full circle into what we're doing because it does, from the outside, look like it's a very easy process, you know, going from the grape to the glass. And um, the tasting room actually sits um, on the original site yeah. where the original home sits wow. still that my mother-in-law lives in today with beautiful plantings. Um, mm-hmm. We have Deodora cedars that are 130 oh, wow. feet tall that, sits, that sit there that were planted by my wife's great-grandfather. and So there's all kinds oh, of wow. really interesting things that have all come together over generations that now we're utilizing. And I'd love to bring those guys back and say, remember when you planted these trees? <laughs> Look what we're doing with it today. But it's really become this, this space and environment where people can come in and relax and just, mm-hmm. just breathe for a moment. Um, but the other thing we do is we have really connected with consumers. Um, I actually do a vineyard series where we go out um, multiple times through the season. And we bring people out real time into the vineyards with my guys working around them to show them exactly what's going on. We bring them into the winery. We really show them, get in depth with the processes that are going on. And people get a have a develop a much better understanding of how much work really does go into just making this <laughs> it's <a lot>. simple <laughs> beverage, right? right.
1: <laughs> simple and beautiful beverage. So... Yeah, and, and you know, one of the things I noted um, on the um, Zinventel Advocates website that was kind of heartening was to see that um, direct-to-consumer sales are rising um, with Zinventel and they have a really big plan for the next year to increase that even more, which is kind of cool. What have been some of the kind of surprises to you in the last few years in terms of what it takes you know, to stay in front of consumers and grow your direct-to-consumer sales.
0: Yeah, you know, our situation's kind of interesting because we opened our doors in late 2008, mm-hmm. right as the economy crashed. Um, we, were, we were completing construction. We watched things kind of fall off the cliff. Um, we have a lot of money invested in a new project, and um, we're thinking, hmm what do we do now? <laughs> <laughs> right. And You're so probably, you probably had
1: numbers crunched for a number of visitors and well, things were changing. It wasn't
0: just that, but it was, it was, you know, thinking about distribution and where, where those wines were going to be headed. And we had to reevaluate very quickly our business plan and decide what we were going to do. And so our focus from the very get go was uh, direct to consumer. It was really, really going to those people knowing that distribution wasn't going to be an option as a brand new winery when things were falling off. And, the inter- interesting thing that w- developed through that time was that we discovered people love wine where times are good or the times are bad. They may adjust their price point. And um, at that time, they were adjusting their price point, but they still loved wine, and they were discovering new places like Lodi. And um, we were showing them wines that were um, of equal quality to other regions that they may have been going to at different price points. And um, that actually carried us right through and got us, got us up oh, and fantastic. going. And so it was kind of an interesting time, not knowing exactly how that was going to transpire. But um, it led us to a a really a position to where we are today still, where we're um, nearly 100% direct-to-consumer. Um, last year, we, were, we produced about 10,000 cases. And mm-hmm. um, our wine club, our customers are our best marketing. Mm-hmm. That's our marketing force. Mm-hmm. Um, that that word of mouth um, things that are going on and we have we have club members we have customers all over the country now that that spread the love so that's that's, that's a great a thing. thing you're
2: built in ambassadors that's there you
0: great go well,
1: since you so mentioned yeah. club let's ask a little bit about w- what are the parameters of your wine club um, and I was also curious to know you know where do you find most of your members are from
0: you know um initially our um we're our sphere was um you know kind of within a 100 mile radius mm-hmm. getting started yeah. um with a lot of people from the bay area and around but um we're over the past 10 years or so we've we've seen um, um a shift of uh people actually traveling um coming in from out of state um and they nice. one of their destinations is lodi um, for their their wine vacations or whatever they're doing and so um, it 's not uncommon to see license plates from various states uh, in our parking lot nice. at any given time, which is is, is kind of fun
2: it 's such cool. a friendly wine
0: region to visit
2: yeah it is
0: well it's it 's a wine region that um, when you walk in when you come into lodi it 's not uncommon to find um, a principal um, um, a winemaker, um You know, someone walking out of the vineyard, coming into the tasting room and and saying hi and helping you. And it's um, it's a totally different experience than what you may get, uh, you know, in larger, busier environments. Mm -hmm. And so it's 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 pretty fun.
1: Right. And one of the things I noticed about Harney Lane Winery is your all your wines are 100 percent estate grown. Yes. And you're certified green. Yes. Not exactly an easy achievement to do. And (laughs) you, you focused a good portion of your career on the vineyards themselves. Can you talk a bit about um, the experience of what it was like trying to achieve the certification? I'm sure you, you didn't, you, you've been doing this for over 25 years, so I'm sure you didn't start out. We I don't think certified green even existed back
0: then. <laughs> Wasn't even thought about at that yeah. time, but interestingly enough, you know, um, if you think about sustainability, um, and, uh, Lodi rules, which we are certified under, um, sustainability is just really about being responsible with your environment. And if you think about, um, a family that's lived on the same property for generations that, um, that grows a garden on the ground that they farm on, that drinks the water that's underneath them, that has, you know, that stewards the land. um, we didn't really have to change much of anything that we were already doing to become certified other than do a lot of paperwork and (laughs) and have someone come in and and audit us um, (laughs) to ensure that that's what was happening. But um, we had already been transitioning uh, into that um, really solid, sustainable situation. And it's interesting because what we've discovered over the years, I have, um, when I first started farming versus what we're doing today is Really, kind of less is more. That you know, these vines are capable of taking care of themselves if you allow, you know, the the native grasses to grow, let the beneficial insects kind of do their job. Um, I mean, we're so soft in there that I have ladybugs that hatch on our end posts, um, oh which my goodness. and they're 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 oh. they're, That's they're, awesome. so, they're so That's delicate. Precious. But um, it's very interesting to see what we do. It's it's a different mindset than organic or natural or you know biodynamic dy- mm-hmm. um but it really works for us and i, I think it does send a statement uh, to consumers so
1: you had a question lisa no go ahead oh, oh, mm-hmm. i was just gonna say have you have you changed your farming practices dramatically or has it just been a gradual thing of of how you've altered things
0: well i think the industry as a whole has really changed how what they're doing and how they're doing it um you know, it, for example, um, when I first started farming 25 years ago, if we had an, um, um, insect pressures in one part of the vineyard, typically the whole vineyard was treated because you thought, the thought was if you have it here, you're going to have it somewhere else. You just mm-hmm. haven't found it yet. Um, well, what we found is um, materials have changed also. They've become much more selective. And if we have to actually treat for a problem, we can identify that and, and find, you know, just treat that specifically instead of kind of broadly... Mm -hmm. blanketing it um what's that what that has allowed us to do also then is to allow those beneficial insect populations to increase and develop Mm -hmm. which then have reduced the incidence of problems and so it's this kind of why are we involved in it let things (laughs) things happen on their own and it'll take care of itself i was was thinking
1: about your your story about the ladybugs and of course ladybugs are voracious uh, consumers of the bad bugs. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. you you know the more yeah. you can do to foster to have them around, right. um, the we, same the same we'll thing with certain other uh, uh, things that c- you know that can come around the vineyard, as um, they can take they can take care of the bad things yeah. that you don't want.
0: So, yeah.
1: very cool. Where, yeah. where do you think Harney Lane is going to be in another five ten years?
0: I you know it's it's interesting. I. Being the fifth generation on the family farm, this was really uh, something that we set up to add value to the family farm to be able to pass it on to future generations. So I think what we've done is we've added diversity to what we've always done, which is farmed wine grapes. And now with the product we have and the label we're running, Mm -hmm. I think we're setting our kids up potentially for success to really take this and, and run with it. Um, we're really just building a foundation, and it takes mm-hmm. years to really develop a brand and uh, get people to understand what you're doing. Absolutely. And uh, so we'll see We'll see what happens. But I, I continue to see us uh, being in the forefront of Lodi and mm-hmm. uh, what they're doing there, uh, but also in the wine community as a whole. I think uh, we have something to offer. We have some really wonderful vineyards um, that we bring fruit from, and... I do, you know, we get to have our hands on every single aspect of every wine that's coming to you. So
2: So what's the
1: website if people want to check you out online?
0: Really easy. It's (laughs) harneylane.com.
1: Yeah. Nice and easy. Nice and fast. are you are you in any low local restaurants? Have you gone that route at all yet? We are, or, yeah. yeah. We're,
0: okay. we're 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 spread out locally, um, uh, but beyond that, um, we're pretty mm-hmm. exclusive. So you gotta you okay. gotta come find us, yeah.
1: And for wine, people who are interested in joining the wine club. Again, it's the same website, yes. partylane.com. Um, but also, are there any um, are there any states you can't go to?
0: Well, there are a couple. There's a couple. Tri- <laughs> well, there's a couple of
1: Turkey ones that we know of, but and, a, and, lot. And consumers- a lot. and lot? A lot? No, just you go. No, I mean you go to a lot of states. Oh, there yes. are only a few that yeah. are no-goes. There are just People a who live in those states know who they, they are. They already know. Yeah, yeah they, they, know. they come
0: in and they're so disappointed. It's like, well, don't you have a friend somewhere else? <laughs> <laughs> they you can have somebody do that, right over the border. Or they get
2: those suitcases now that carry like a case right. of wine, yes. which is kind of cool. Yeah. You can just check it's it. tricky.
1: Mm-hmm. And since we've been talking a lot about Zinfandel, since we're here at the Palace Hotel for the Zinfandel Experience Seminar, where do you think Zinfandel is going to be going in the next few years?
0: I think Zinfandel has, certainly has a place out there in the market. You know, it's, a, it's, it's just a, it's a lovely wine that goes with so many different things. And I, it, it's one of the few varieties that we in California can grow that no one else can. And I, I think consumers um, can really wrap their head around something that is considered local and, and kind of exclusive to, to us in California, so...
1: Nice. I I hope that's all true, and I think it is true. And I think we're gonna, I think we'll see its profile being raised over the next few years. Don't you? Definitely. I think zinfandel. It goes with everything. It's
2: something we have every week in in my home.
1: Right. And I have to say, one meals. of the one of the things I really liked about your website, Kyle, was you have a lot of very creative, um, but really accurate. Um, dishes that you pair with Zinfandel, it it is such a versatile grape because it's got so many herbal flavors and spices and little peppery notes, but it's also got a whole boatload of fruit in it. You got red fruit, you got red fruit ones, you got blue fruit ones, you got things that are more current. Um, Mm. So it's so versatile with food.
2: And as as, as some people were talking later, and we had this 1986 Zinfandel that Joel Peterson dropped on our table earlier. Um, it's it's ageable too, so there. It's kind of like right. Got Absolutely. it all going Acid on. Acid,
1: tannin, structure, it's all there. Yeah. yeah. So do wine. you do you find yourself uh, uh, cracking open some of your own library wine, going, "How's this been doing since uh, you know two thousand two or something like that?" And well, you know,
0: someone's got to do it.
1: Somebody's <laughs> got to do it. It so might as well be you, right? <laughs>
0: Of course. Yeah. No, you know, it's really fun. It's, you know, even this wine today is, it's always fun to put that up to your nose and see how they're, see how they're growing and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, just go back and explore. And and it brings back memories. I mean, you remember exactly what happened that season and it's like, oh yeah. yeah."
1: Fun stuff. Cool stuff to do that. And I have to ask, we've been asking about interns and advice maybe to your younger self. And do you have interns who come out to where you are in Lodi from time to time? You
0: know, we, we, we're small enough that we don't we're actually in that that point to where we're going to start bringing them in cool. but uh you know lodi is an amazing place and in the, the fun uh, we uh i have neighboring wineries that do bring interns in mm-hmm. and, and they get you know they're, they're not just on one task for the season they get to actually explore virtually everything that happens she the yeah. whole. well you know it starts <laughs> it starts in the vineyard and, and works its way back in and yeah. so they they get those kinds of experiences so nice. it's a lot of fun
1: very cool uh, any final words you'd like to leave with our listeners about Hardy Lane Winery?
0: That's just a fun place. But, you know, Zinfandel's all about it. And, and Lodi is really known for Zinfandels. Right. And so we uh, we'd like to see you head our way and, and uh, experience <laughs> what we have going on. You
1: make a dozen or so wines, right? I yeah. mean, you've got Tempranillo, Petit yeah. You mentioned the Albariño, which was like a big one. So for those who are love whites, you know. Um, that's definitely a way to go. You've got Chardonnay and Rosés and Ros- Rosé. I'm trying to remember Rosé of. Oh, it's a blend, isn't it's it? It's a blend.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We're also uh, going to be bringing out a Rosé of Primitivo uh, oh, there Yeah, this year, fun. lovely. Just hit the bottle. it's it's amazing. We're really excited yeah. about it. So yeah.
1: Cool. Well, Kyle Lerner, Harney Lane. Wait a minute. I haven't got. Yeah, Harney, Harney. Lane Winery. From Lodi, it's it's a hop, skip, and a jump from San Francisco, folks. So if you're coming for a visit and you want to go to a different area that you haven't visited before, definitely go. There's tons of great wines and that great come places from to there.
2: stay and eat. I've enjoyed it there.
1: Oh my God, it's beautiful. It is. It's absolutely beautiful. And
2: not a lot of traffic around the town of Lodi when you're there. you, <laughs> yeah. know, you get away yeah. from it. You right. Take. So if you're, if you're irritated the Bay, with the crowds
1: yeah. and the and the you know going up and down the main drags here in uh, San Francisco's. Uh, more mainstream wine country. Go out and explore. You're gonna get great wine. Yep. Great wine. Absolutely. Kyle, thank you for being yeah, here. thank really you. Thank
0: you guys. That was a lot of fun. It's been great,
1: and I hope you. Ha- I I hope you're here for the grand tasting tomorrow. We it's are. It's gonna be a lot we of fun. Yeah. Oh, i excited.
0: Come, I'm
2: gonna come taste your wine. Ah. <laughs> yeah, be exciting stuff.
1: All right, and most of all, thank you, listeners, for tuning in with us and learning a lot about Zinfandel. Learning about Harney Lane Winery, uh, and, uh, and, and we've been talking about the, the Ravenswood uh, Library Wine that Joel brought and many other vintners that we've had here and uh, viticulturists and vineyard managers. We really appreciate your tuning
2: in. We are the Wine Women Radio Hour. Woo-hoo! Yes, so you thank you You can learn so more much. about us at winewomen.net.
1: That's right, winewomen.net. You can find us on Facebook at uh, Wine Women Radio Hour. So... Have a great evening, everybody. Bye, -bye, everyone. Cheers. Bye. Well, that was just so much fun to meet with all of those great viticulturists, vineyard managers. Um, uh, Of course, most recently on the show, it was with Kyle Lerner, um, with Harney Lane in Lodi, a great Zinfandel producer. Uh,
2: Um, What a lovely guy. Oh my gosh,
1: he certainly was, and we didn't get to talk with his lovely wife Georgia. No, we um, didn't get to meet her, <laughs> but we she did get to nice. meet her, which is fun. So, uh, it all you know, all's well that ends well, right? That's right. So it was really terrific to talk with them, and uh, and afterwards we got to taste the Harney Lane, um, Scottsdale Vineyard Zinfandel, uh, which was wonderful. So this turns out this vineyard of theirs. Um, It's quite old and they had been farming it for many, many, many years. Uh, This is all according to their um, website. So it's not like this is stuff I know off the top of my head. (laughs) Folks, all you got to do is go to Harney Lane Winery uh, and uh, Google that and go to the website and you'll get this information. They had been farming the Scottsdale Vineyard um, Zinfandel. And uh, I'm not sure if actually I think there's more than Zinfandel there, but this was the Zinfandel that we were tasting. Um, for many, many years. Um, uh, and they finally were able to acquire it as their own in 2014. Uh, and, of course, they're still um, farming it and producing from it. Uh, it's kind of nicknamed the Blueberry Vineyard. Boy, did I sure get that right. um, through tasting the Zinfandel Predominant afterwards. flavors
2: of blueberry, for sure.
1: Right. Um, and it's interesting because uh, this entire experience that we've had exploring a lot of different Zinfandels, really conveyed to me the differences between um, the Blue Note as the leading uh, flavor profile, Zinfandel's. um, uh, Some people often think of that as cool climate, but it could be, but not necessarily. Um, There's just a lot of different factors involved. It's not
2: cool in Lodi, that's for sure. (laughs) Exactly, which (laughs) is where this is from. Yeah, during the growing season, it's not. But it does cool down at night. They do have the impact of the Delta, so I I think that... That's what makes these wines from that region so phenomenal.
1: Right. So this one, the, the, the Harney Lane Scottsdale Vineyard Zinfandel was just full of layers of, of lots of different flavor notes. Um, the blueberry, of course, being the predominant one, it, it all seemed beautifully integrated. Yeah. It's a big, it was a big wine. A big wine, definitely. Yeah. I, um, I think it would be delicious
2: with... You know, certain grilled meats, oh, things yeah. like that. It was it it needs something to right. stand
1: up to it. Uh, you could do lasagnas with mm-hmm. it. You could do uh, chilies with it. You could do game, right? Big game, <laughs> yeah, or like coca van, something like right. that. Be delicious, yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot of things that were based in tomato sauces and and uh, dark flavors. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you know, big wines matched with big food, big flavor foods, uh, not something light and de- delicate ge- in general. So that was just a real treat to to get to try that. You also saw um, the learners at the Grand Tasting yes. at uh, Zap Experience and Vandel Experience as well. I did. What and I, was that like to go to the Experience?
2: Well, the Experience was very different from when we met with the vintners and winemakers and vineyard managers at the Mm -hmm. Sheraton Palace, which was gorgeous. Um, The Zinn-X Grand Tasting, which was the following day, was at Pier 27, Mm -hmm. right on the water in San Francisco. Just absolutely stunningly gorgeous. It's a pier that's fairly recently been redone and rebuilt, and it's a a cruise terminal, um, but it can be used for special events, and it's... You know, you get there, you go up a flight of stairs. Mm-hmm. Um, they had it timed out so different levels of tickets could go in at different times. Mm-hmm. So if you were part of the trade in media, you could go in earlier than you know a general ticket, or if you were a VIP ticket holder, you could go in at a different time, which was nice. For a number of reasons, because if you're in there as part of the trade or media, you're trying to get through and taste and look for wines for your restaurant or your shop or that sort right. of thing, you're not dealing with the crowds that may be less mm-hmm. knowledgeable. Right. It also, it also um, managed the crowd control. So there wasn't a giant line. Right. So and it was, that doesn't serve anybody. No, it was very, very well organized. And then once you got up to the upper level, it's just a beehive of activity. Just hundreds <laughs> of wineries, everybody pouring Zinfandel, um, a signature element of the ZAP events for many years before this morphed into ZIN-X, which stands for the Zinfandel Experience is that there are just full-on loaves of sourdough bread that people can pick up a loaf and carry around with them and take little nibbles. Um, But there was a lot of food mixed in from different chefs, some from winery chefs, Mm -hmm. some from local Bay Area purveyors, bakeries, restaurants, um, or food suppliers. There were a couple of cheese guys there um, from a cheese co-op, which was kind of interesting. And then the winery sprinkled all throughout. I did get to see... A couple of people that were on the show prior, Mm -hmm. um, as you mentioned, um, the people from Harney Lane, Um, and then I met some other vintners that were, you know, that we didn't have on the show, which was really kind of fun. Um, One thing that I noticed um, that's different from years past were all the Zinfandel rosés that were being poured. Yeah, yum. Yeah, which was really kind of fun. What's your experience been with Zinfandel rosé?
1: Um. Well, uh, I've had several lovely ones. It's, of course, going to be a little bit darker and meatier and robust than, say, a Provencal-style mm-hmm. uh, uh, rosé. Um, in general, I would say it's probably relatively difficult to try to make a Provencal-style rosé from the Zinfandel grape because it's yeah, so big. Yeah, it is. Um, okay. But, but, you know, let's think back to um, the previous our incarnation of that, which was a lot of people think, well, isn't that the same thing as a white Zinfandel, you know, a rosé right. Zinfandel? Well, not exactly, because we're talking about a, a different approach to uh, sugar <laughs> Definitely is a big different. one. White Zinfandels are known yeah. for their sugar levels being considerably higher. Whereas a yeah. uh, you could have a completely bone dry rosé of Zinfandel,
2: and that's what I was trying. I was trying the dry rosés mm-hmm. um, to begin, you know, and and you know, there's with h- hundreds of wineries there, you really have to be selective. So I yeah. I wasn't tasting wines that I maybe had recently tasted mm-hmm. or wineries that I was most familiar with, unless it was something I absolutely loved or adored, where I just couldn't resist. <laughs> um, but I I I mean, the vibe is that there are these giant windows that look out over the bay. There are tables. Yeah, it's all glass. Yeah, it's all glass. It's, it's gorgeous. Beautiful. There are all these tables. Um and it was busy and bustling, but not crowded to the point where you were standing five or six people deep. You oh, could get good. up to the tables. There were winery principals and vintners at every table, which was really makes it special. Wow. Um and then there was also an area That had Appalachian organizations, you Mm -hmm. know, like Sonoma County Vintners were there and Dry Creek Valley was there. And that was kind of cool because then you could actually go learn about the specific regions that a lot of these wines came from.
1: Yeah. And probably an opportunity there to find out how does Zinfandel grow? What's what are the differences between your county and Lodi or, you know, Paso? Yes. uh, And find out, you know, how the flavor profiles can be distinctly different and mm-hmm. how the yields, um, I'm sure they, they could do that. So. And there
2: were even some members from some of those organizations mm-hmm. pouring at some of those tables. So you nice. could try some others and findels that maybe weren't mm-hmm. out in the major area, which was kind of fun. Um, and you know, Zinex has become really educational. I mean, they were doing those flights the nice. d- when we were at um, Sheraton mm-hmm. Palace. And then they had a big fundraising dinner that night um, at the hotel. And then at Zinex, the next day at the Grand Tasting, they also had a series of seminars that they were conducting that you could just kind of pop into and listen to experts and people from different regions talk about things and kind of learn a lot of what we learned, you know, by interviewing our guests on the show.
1: Right. But well, they're mm-hmm. going around to a variety of uh, tables mm-hmm. to pick up the education. Yeah. Um, can I go back to the Rosés of Zin for yes, a second? Yes, of course. Um w- Is there anything that you can describe specifically about, you know, how you felt about overall about the flavor profiles? Was it, you know, was it a huge difference in styles in the Rosé of Zinfandels or even let's start with color? Did you see that there was a big difference in colors between different producers of Rosé of Zin?
2: I think there are differences in color, you know, just depending on mm-hmm. how they're doing it or you know how they're letting the juice run. Uh, I do think that they the Zinfandel rosés have a lot of structure.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, they're not soft at mm-hmm. all. They're really crisp. I mean, they're the types of rosés you'd want to have with spicy food or Thai food or, um, you know, even s- uh, something tangy grilled if you wanted mm-hmm. something cool to start, like, mm-hmm. you know, chicken wings or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, I think they... I think that, that those roses would go really well. I, they're beautiful though and I like it that those are now available. It's not one varietal because your palate can get pretty exhausted when you're tasting all of right. those big wines.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that makes sense. And did you did you find that there was a variety in the rose of Zinfandels of uh how much tannin would come through in the roses?
2: Yes, definitely. And I can't really cite any specifically, but there are def- definite differences. It'd be but fun to do nice. a tasting, you know, like to line them up and kind of do that on our own. It's another
1: show for us. It's that's another show right. to, to do that. I would love that. But that that's a lot of fun to be able to do that. And did anybody have any sparkling Zinfandel yes. or sparkling rosé Zinfandel?
2: Actually, there's a level of ticket that can be purchased at the VIP level. There's some VIP experiences for Zinex. Mm-hmm where um, either major sponsors or, or you know high end ticket level purchasers can have access to a room called the Heritage Lounge. Mm-hmm. And it's separate from the rest of the tasting and it has a very, very different feel. It is in the corner of Pier Twenty Seven. So you have, you know, just windows looking out all right. across the bay, which is gorgeous. There are lots of lounges and sofas set up with like coffee tables. And in that room Vintners actually come in and and walk around and pour their wines just face to face. Like,
1: would you so like to try this? It so. sounds like a reverse <laughs> walk around. It so is. you could kick back, yes. sitting in the big plush chairs and couches, right. and just unwind while they come around and Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there was I think an that's area
2: great. where there were a lot of wines lined up, and they did have you know, like um, licensed pourers. Mm-hmm. They're pouring wines um, if, if the vintners weren't there because obviously they have to hop back and forth right. and man their table out in the main room. Um, but I saw um, Aaron and Matt Klein in there walking around mm-hmm. pouring their three wine company wines, which are, their winery is actually in Clarksburg, but they make a lot of wine from Contra Costa County and from other areas, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Um, and then I met um, Shauna Rosen. Baum of <laughs> Rockwall Wine Company, and that's when I had the sparkling Zinfandel. How fun, yeah, it was it was amazing. I was actually chatting with Chris Sawyer, who's uh-huh. been on our show before, right. who's the sommelier to the stars, and Chris was there, and he's like, "Oh my gosh, you have to try this wine. I've been over <laughs> to their winery. He would it's know. fantastic." <laughs> he had tacos at their winery, and interestingly, Rockwall is in Alameda, mm-hmm. and it's on a former. Air Naval Base site right. and it looks out over the bay the other mm-hmm. direction. So Rockwall probably can look right toward Pier 27 underneath the Bay You're Bridge, right. you know? Exactly. <laughs> Across <laughs> the way. But Shauna was just like an incredible personality mm-hmm. and um she is a descendant. Her father was a, a father of Zinfandel in California mm-hmm. over in Alameda, Kent. Rosenbaum, right? Yeah. Okay. I want to make sure I got this right. Um, and her sparkling Zinfandel was really amazing. I was never sure what to expect with a red sparkler like that, because I'm a big right. sparkling wine fan. But this was really nice. It wasn't too much too tannic. Mm-hmm. Had a really nice balance with the, the bubbles, but still the structure was in. Was it
1: was it a dry? Was it like a brute It was
2: dry. Okay. It was dry and it was dark in color. Yeah. Which was really I've only had I've
1: only had one or two other sparklers you know, that have that really deep dark color and, and it surprises you usually. It does. <laughs> it does. But I'm really motivated
2: to go over there because there's food on site and some really cool artwork there mm-hmm. for the rock wall mm-hmm. that they've done. Almost like um really gentrified graffiti art, you know, really right. bright and colorful. Um and Maybe she... we can do a
1: show there. Oh, wouldn't that be fun? Or get Shauna to come here one way or another. I am on <laughs> I'll I'll hit the road with you, Marsha. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that, that would be fun. Now, did you? F- was there a correlation uh, between the dark color of the sparkling Zinfandel and tannins, or not necessarily? Um,
2: I, I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that I can recall identifying that, but I would say that the color and the flavor there was mm-hmm. a depth in flavor that you don't normally associate with a mm-hmm. sparkling wine. And I I think that the color
1: has something to do okay. with that. Probably, you know, the extraction right. of flavor. Right. What comes to mind uh, just off the top of my head, which has, since I haven't tasted it, I don't know, is um, like cherry cola. And the only reason I say that is because you think of cherry cola because it's bubbly. Right. You know, right. it's carbonated. Um, so you associate the, ch- the cherry flavor with it, but it do- mm. that d- doesn't necessarily mean that the rock one is anything like that at all.
2: Yeah. I'm thinking kind of along the lines, if there was like a sparkling dry cherry juice yeah. sort of thing, there must be something huh. like that out there, Yeah, but it was, it was very, very nice. And then she was in there walking around, pouring it for people. It was really, oh. really lovely. So I recommend that heritage lounge if you can. Go to that level because you can kind of get a break from everything else and just go hang out in there,
1: which is really,
2: really a nice thing to be able to do. Yeah. And
1: with hundreds and hundreds of people pouring their wines, it does get fatiguing. You got to pick and choose what you're going to try. Yes. And all that. And um, did you get to talk with other uh, industry people who had found some gems to add to their wine list at their restaurant or to their shop or something along that line so you know what what kind of buzz were you finding from people i didn't who were really get to
2: talk to people who were that portion of the trade i did um run into brennan who was mm-hmm. on our show from Turley and churling right Men- Brennan Stover. yeah and he pointed me over to bialy mm-hmm. for their zinfandel which was really nice and you know it's rare to find napper producers sometimes that are focusing a bit on some fendel. So that was um, kind of cool. Um, who else did I see? Let well, me think it is about getting that. warmer in
1: Napa, Napa, as we know. I know. And here in Sonoma. <laughs> I know. No kidding. <laughs> so um, We're having yeah. a very warm winter. <laughs> we sure are. I'm warm and very dry. Mm-hmm. So uh, it will make for the rest of, you know, the growing season be very interesting since I think some people are already starting to see um, bud break. Yeah, I've heard that. Way, way early, so. Early
2: bud break. I've even seen some, um, sprinklers on. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if that's testing for frost protection or if they're actually throwing a little moisture down because we've literally had
1: no rain in many weeks. So. I I would have no idea myself as to what is needed. And Mm -hmm. it was very interesting to talk with, um, People like Brennan, um, who have been farming Zinfandel for a couple of decades. Um, We also got to talk with um, David Gates, who's been farming Zinfandel for over 30 years, and um, Kyle Lerner. Kyle. Um, It was fascinating to hear from him, uh, you know, that all of them seem to do a mix of dry farming, particularly on their oldest vineyards, Mm -hmm. um, where they have the opportunity to really um shall we say stress them out right <laughs> you right. know and this year is going to be another one it seems where it's like that where we've had so little rain we had the rain in maybe november december and a little bit of january but then all of a sudden it disappeared i know and we've kind of been without it so that's that's kind of a crazy thing um so you know that's that's a cool thing uh and you know speaking of um the oldest vineyards that grows in Findel all over, all over the state. Really. Um, it was really fun to hear from Brené Royal who oh, yeah. is she the vineyard incredible. manager at Monte Rosso.
2: Wonder how she's doing with this <laughs> weather.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's great. It's great to be out in this weather. Um, but it's unusual for our, our vines to be li- be dealing with that right now. Right. Um, it looks like everything is mostly trimmed up pretty well pruning wise um that means everything will be ready to go for the growing season coming up um and i know it's always an interesting challenge for vineyard managers and vintners alike dealing with this because um the the theoretical idea is to to let the uh what have become the canes they were shoots in the prior season and then they pr- become canes um after they go through a whole season cycle um you know let them uh, stay as long as possible before pruning them away for the next gr- growing season so that um the the vines have time to s- put their energy back into their root development yeah, heal, and heal the dormancy and heal a bit from the previous season before they start to go okay now we got to push out the buds yeah um, so the timing is, it's all very Goldilocksy to me in this industry, inter- <laughs> you know, don't prune too soon, don't prune too late, you gotta get it just right.
2: And it's always different, and it's a call. I mean, all those people that we spoke mm-hmm. with, it's been, you know, they, yeah. they really have to make the call, and, and, and what they are deciding, those, des- I mean, the wines made in the vineyard, right? Those right. decisions are impacting that fruit. That is, you know, ultimately ending up in the bottle, you know, the winemakers are taking. Right, right. um, It's all important stuff.
1: So now some of the cool things we found out about Zinfandel over this series of shows that we've been doing is that um, it it is, of course, known as our California grape. Yes. Um, it, It is the one that we think of as being our own and not something that originated Uh, in France uh, or in Italy or in Spain. Now, they all have some sort of a a version of this um, or a descendant of some of the originals. Um, Some people may think of Primitivo as uh, another name for Zinfandel. Um, There's a certain amount of debate about its DNA, that it's wholly separate um, from Zinfandel, but very close to that. Um, there's also uh, Carol Meredith's discovery through her work at UC Davis, tracing the DNA of Zinfandel back to Croatia, uh, the Dalmatian coast um, and known, and known in her world as (laughs) Tribadrag, just kind of interesting name. And we also talked with David Gates about how um, he's got another version of it, which I think uh, came from the Dalmatian coast. Um, Very similar name. It's known locally. There's, Pribidrag, um almost the exact <laughs> same name but starting with a P. Um and then there's the Croatian name I cannot pronounce. Kralnyak Kastelanski. That sounds great. Doesn't that that's great. <laughs> I have no idea if I'm remotely in there. Um and 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 it's now led Carol Meredith, um Queen Queen of Zinfandel to kind of generally refer to all of these as ZPZ, ZPC, Zinfandel Primtivo and Kralnyak, Kastolansky, Um, All of this one name known as ZPZ, all basically is the same thing. And it's fascinating because it was so widely planted here over 100 years ago because, for obvious reasons, it was considered easier to grow right. than a lot of other grapes. It's, it's been, it's hardy. It's hardy. Um, they were kind of used to back then having uneven ripening, uneven sizes. You you always know zinfandel because all, all the grapes on one cluster can be all different colors mm-hmm. because that they're at all different stages of Eurasian. Um and that's just kind of a hallmark part of it. So it's well, been real fun
2: and it's been neat education. To, and it's been neat to learn. You know, when we had the heritage group on to learn so much of what is being done to preserve these old vineyards because there's a, there's one mindset is rip it out and plant something that makes more money. And there's another mindset that these are heritage, very special vines that we need to, to keep on keeping on. So, um, zap, Definitely supports that. For right. more on Zap, go to, Zinfandel to org, And you can click on events to find out about next year's yep. Zinex. Right. Hopefully, and, we'll be there.
1: And the site is great because it has everything from a flavor profile wheel that is there that um, we know Ann Noble for, uh, for the uh, flavor profile wheel for um, all different types of wine varieties, grape varieties. Um, But also if you're looking for heritage information, history information, um, uh, and all of that, that's really all detailed out on their website, which has been great. So having them host us. Um, that put together this series of shows on Zinfandel was a real treat. And, uh, big kudos to Rebecca Robinson at, uh, at Zinfandel yeah. Advocates and Producers, and of course, Joel Peterson, who, um, originally had the idea to, to bring us in on this. Um, I've learned a lot. Yeah. It's been really, it's been an education, uh, which was the point. And, um, and it's very cool to see what they're doing to try to bring more recognition. To Zinfandel across the country uh, because more people, if more people will drink it, uh, there's less of a chance that uh, some large corporation is going to go rip out all that Zin. We want to do something that's going to be a bigger earner or something because they're pretty, they're pretty special lines. Power to the Zinfandel. Power to the Zinfandel. (laughs) Uh, So uh, coming up, uh, shows that we have coming up, of course, uh, we've got another one. Next week, we'll actually be talking with Joel Peterson again and hearing all about um, his new company, Once and Future Wine. Uh, And, of course, he's well-known as Godfather of Zinfandel and his past big venture, Ravenswood. Mm -hmm. Um, So hopefully we'll get to taste through a little bit of that. Um, We'll also be meeting um, in following weeks with some women winemakers and vintners because we have uh, International Women's Day coming up. Um, we'll also be meeting with uh ellen reich at fortunati vineyards smack in the middle of the napa valley on the valley floor and meeting be- meeting with her as well uh and uh and, and several more so we've got a lot of outstanding shows coming up uh and also we should mention of course our sponsor host uh wine women um has a whole series of events coming up uh they have a and Educational event coming up in March. You can visit winewomen.net um, to see what's on their calendar. Uh, and there's just a whole lot out there. And we should uh, have a thank you also to St. Saint Saint Supery. Uh, because they are uh, one of our other great sponsors uh, who will help us out with technology. Yes. Uh, something we need in order to get supportive. the shows to you. Yes. Um, so St. Supery. Woman CEO, women winemaker, viticulturist, and of course we got- And cellar master. And cellar master. Sorry, forgot about that. Uh, And of course, uh, Misty, Misty. our very own, who's not here right now, uh, director of marketing there. Yes. So big uh, women-led team there at that uh, wonderful winery. So, lots going on. And most of all, thank you, listeners, for being with us. We really appreciate tuning in and uh, hope you'll tune in next week when we have another show with Joel Peterson. Thank you, Lisa, for being here. Really appreciate it. Bye bye. Bye.